is my co-host Q. Hello there. I'm new for this season, so treat me nicely. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Today, we're talking about a paper, Maladaptive Daydreaming in Relation to Linguistic Features and Attachment Style. It's a rather new study, so we're going to be going over it today. It just came out in December, I think. Mm-hmm. Like brand new, because it's we're recording in January. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been very long. We've all we're, we've all read it, um, and it's twelve page read. It's a little hefty, but we're going to go over some of the main points that it stated. Uh, one of the big ones was how each individual person spoke. They took an aggregate of data, which is to say. They took all of the participants, how they spoke, and they were able to uh, determine uh, a general attachment style for each. So they had an MD group and a non-MD group. And so we'll be going over that today. Joining us for that is Halo, 20-something years old from North Carolina. And I do want to point out, too, before we get started... That none of us, none of us are clinicians or psychologists or even particularly academic, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. What do you, what do you do, Q? I know you're like Soft- going for a degree, right? Correct. Software engineering. So I'm no psychologist, but I have seen a paper or two. So it's not exactly my specialty. We'll just be giving our thoughts for today. Uh, questions, concerns, nothing's ever perfect and all that. Yeah, just just a bunch of lay people talking here. So uh, if you uh, do happen to know what you're talking about, leave it in the uh, go to go to the YouTube uh, channel for this podcast because you can't leave comments on Spotify. But go into the comments on YouTube and like correct us or whatever. Yes, parallel lives on YouTube. Let's see, so do you guys have any particular anything you'd want to point out starting like any starting point? Because I have one or two. Uh, at least I would start with some of my concerns, like how they've how they've framed this study of theirs. Well, I think we should point out, first of all, that this is and they make the point in the paper a couple of times. Mm-hmm. It's a it's pretty exploratory, like they don't have anything to compare this paper to really, because no study like this has been done on MD before. So this is. This is just kind of testing the waters. I think that's important to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. It's exploratory, and there's uh, a fair few constraints. There's there's several problems with it that we'll end up pointing out, and there's a lot that can be improved upon. Uh, but for an exploratory paper, it seems pretty solid. Would you say, other than some of the some of the big issues that we're going to point out? Yeah, I mean, by design, they kind of have to cast a a wide net and be a little vague to see what direction they're going to go in next. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's fine for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, I think it's good for what it is like, like what both of you were saying. And I al- always like more studies, especially that it's a uh, trying a different, a different thing compared to other studies in the past. It, it did have limitations. It had a, the, the sample size that there was a, what wasn't possibly as, uh, large as some people might hope it was uh only for the italian um it was all in italian so it was just kind of in, within that specific um language and possibly region uh there was a uh, kind of skewed with the gender sizes with the genders as well but overall I, i'm always glad for more research and they're also trying something new so as much as so even if we might have certain nitpicks i'm always glad for just have more of it 
Mm-hmm. You got to start somewhere. I think uh, I think where we might start uh, is how they manage to get their sample size, their population, because the way this study was set up is they took a, a, a fairly large amount of people and they gave it they gave them a Google Forms survey uh, and they said fill this out. There were 414 people that spoke Italian, might have been in the Italian region. Uh, Something to mention is that uh, the majority of them were female. Out of those 414, 305 of them were female. So about three-fourths of them were female. So that's rather rather skewed um, because guys might treat MD differently than girls. So... That's a pretty big constraint that they have. Normally, in a lot of cases, you'd want yeah. sort of 50-50, or if you're randomly taking it, won't exactly be even. But three-fourths is quite a, quite a big skew in one direction. And it's pretty common for maladaptive daydreaming studies to be heavily female. So to any guys out there listening, if you see a call for participation, you know, give it a shot apply (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. represent yep it's always good to get more people another big constraint that they had and they didn't it was a small mention but uh the way when taking a study you can uh choose people there's different ways to choose people uh and or sampling is what they call it and the way that this study sampled people or, or got them to take the survey, it uh, was by, they call it snowball sampling, um, where a snowball starts small and you would push it down a hill for it to get like larger over time. Uh, the way that snowball sampling works is they take a couple people and they tell acquaintances and friends about it and then they would join. And then, you know, those acquaintances and friends would tell more acquaintances and friends. And it goes from there. They sort of it, it, it spreads by word of mouth, and that's how the snowball gets larger. So, um, if like while this was an Italian study, it would be likely that they were in a similar region because a lot of families and friends, and the way that it would spread is by word of mouth. Would it do that? I wonder. On like on the non-MD side, I can see that. But on the MD side, where we are so connected on the internet and a lot of us only know other MDers through the internet. Mm-hmm. I guess it could be more than one region, if, if that makes sense. I guess it could be not just uh, in the Italian region. Since a lot of us are on the, uh, the Maladaptive of Daydreaming Discord and we're on the Maladaptive of Daydreaming Reddit. Uh, I suppose since a lot of us are there, it could spread much farther for our specific case. But that's how snowballs usually work. For us, it could go much farther since we have people all across the globe and all, well, six continents. I don't know if we have any penguins out there reading and listening, but we're quite spread out. We're quite spread out all across the world. So I guess that would make sense. Uh, They didn't list it, but then they also listed the um, relationship status of people. Mm-hmm. And um, specifically <clears throat> with maladaptive daydreaming, there are many people that um, their daydreams are, have a heavy thing on um, not being in a relationship or they daydream about being with somebody who they would like, who they would lo- love to be with. And sometimes people, a lot of them have um, issues comparing their real life spouses compared to their daydream ones, this and that. I was just wondering, I don't think it was mentioned. I was wondering if there were many differences between the um, people that were single versus ones in a stable relationship compared to ones that were married, because it seems to be 132 per- participants were single, 
156 were in a stable relationship, 114 were married, and 15 were divorced. So, or a solid majority of this are people in a relationship or even married. They also do an age, well, not an age group. Um, they, they do it by um, education, like um, highest attained education so far. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, with that many people being single, but there's also a lot of children in this. 19 of them were in middle school. 182 were in high school. 116 um, were had bachelor's degrees. So they were like... Um, you know, early 20s. So maybe (laughs) like a lot of people being single might just be reflective of it's a young sample. Mm -hmm. They also mentioned that towards the end of the survey, when they were mentioning their sample sizes, a lot of younger people are more willing to talk about maladaptive daydreaming, very skewed towards the younger population. And when they, while they mentioned uh, education attained, that's not necessarily reflective of age, although that is a really big part of it. Some people just really just stopped at their bachelor's degree or stopped at their high school GED for us here in the United States. Um, it just depends. It depends. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not. Well, I, they might have broken it down by age somewhere else, but I, I didn't look. I did notice that the mean age was like 30. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yes, it would be a relatively young sampling there's there's a lot of younger people here so would you say that that because you were speaking of about relationships in relation to age um i just know that uh for a lot of the people that i've talked to in the md community that being in a relationship or not can oftentimes change how um how how much they can manage it for instance that i they they mentioned before but uh, mason bright who's been also has the youtube channel and has been on a podcast a time or two um, they were saying when they were in a relationship, it all of a sudden it helped their MD tremendously. They need, they didn't feel as much of a need to daydream this and that, or at least it helped. Um, a lot of people like myself, other people, if we're in a relationship and happy, sometimes it's easier to manage it because it kind of fills in that void of somebody else. And then in, on the same token, on the opposite side, a lot of people, if they go through really bad breakups, then, then they had that. And then all of a sudden it's gone. Sometimes it makes it worse. So I was just wondering if that might, it, I just wish it would. I wish we had something to look into that in the future as well, because I think that that's a interesting topic. Yeah. To add to that too, like not even relationships making it better or worse, but like it's, it's hard to find the motivation to want to quit MD until you have a reason and wanting to settle into, um, you know, a life like that can give you that motivation. Like I, I didn't start addressing my MD until I was starting to settle down in my life and getting married and thinking of children and having children. Mm-hmm. So there's that too. Like <laughs> the, mm-hmm. my relationship didn't make MD better, but it gave me the motivation to want to make it better. Mm-hmm. Speaking of relationships, this study in particular talks about attachment styles and attachment styles refer to how they mentioned that your attachment style develops when you're young and it depends on how your caregivers treat you, which would be your parents, your guardians, right? Siblings in, in, in many cases, but attachment styles follow you throughout your entire life, all the way into relationships when you're an adult, romantic, platonic, there's just uh, attachment styles follow you wherever you go. Uh, and that also applies to relationships like like a, like a, uh, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, sort of a husband, wife, um, a fiance, significant other. So there's something to be said. Give me one moment. So they actually mention, they have a breakdown of 
different kinds of uh, attachment types, how many people had a certain attachment type uh, or not. There are, they list secure, fearful, preoccupied, dismissing, and then they also have self-model and other model. But those four they have as attachment types in the survey. And I, that, I think that has a pretty hefty... What's the word I'm thinking of? Um, your attachment style affects what relationships you get into and how you maintain your relationships. Like some attachment styles, they, they mentioned that like pure, fearful, preoccupied, or dismissing attachment styles, styles in general are more common in maladaptive daydreamers. And those can make it very difficult to find yourself in a relationship. Or if your relationship and relationship starts to strain, that can really make it much harder and it can make the fall much harder. Right? Once you break up, it could hurt much more. If you have uh, attachment styles that are uh, considered unhealthy or uh, difficult to maintain, right? So in terms of having a relationship uh, and these different attachment types that they studied and were mentioning in this study right here. Yeah, they said specifically that um, MDers, this is page uh, two, or well, page 386, but it's the second page of the study. Mm -hmm. MDers appear to have ambivalent feelings about their relationships, perceive themselves as less valued than others, and believe that others will love and respect them less. They also have trouble believing that they can rely on others when they need help. Do you guys feel like that? describes you so i actually wanted to nitpick about, about that because it's also a chicken or the egg because i completely agree with that hypothesis that the the attachment style because many people do have issues with that and that kind of creates a void and that the, the other issues which could drive more people into daydreaming that seems to be one of the main hypotheses and I, I i think that that's totally valid in many cases but i think it becomes also tricky because the reverse is also true sort of in that uh people like i had certain in the personal relationships with other people became kind of strained and it might would it would show kind of in my um uh with me personally but after i got md it kind of made it worse because the more i would daydream the less i would be out with friends the more the more it would strain on relationships the less i would be out with people the less i would want to talk with people the less i would this and that and i think that when they say when they look at mders and show oh look a lot of them have these relationship issues and think oh i don't feel as close to other people oh i don't feel as valued I think it might also be the consequence of the MD itself because you're not going out as much. You're not talking with people. Your relationships become strained. You become kind of estranged from people that are your friends and they're, and this and that. I, I think that that's also a factor for many people as well. So I think it's also, I think that there are many factors kind of intertwined that it's not just one in itself. Um, mm -hmm. that, that's at least what I was thinking. Okay, that it could be a lot. I'm trying to I'm trying to understand what you're saying here. So you're saying it could be a lot of different things that are not just attachment styles, or I think it's also worth pointing out just for as this goes on that um, there the high comorbid rates of other disorders with MD that mm -hmm. they're 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 I, they're trying to it seems to be the the core of this study seems to be the hypothesis of um, and they're just pointing out the connection of the um, the attachment styles that people have um, in their upbringing, how it connects with their MD. And I, and then they're trying to point out that many negative um, word connotations with different, um, uh, that they're trying to point that out to show how people have negative attachment styles. If you have MD, I'm saying that the MD itself can, um, can affect 
um, some of those uh, word connotations because I think that it's uh, in itself can strain your relationships. So I, I don't. I, I think it's just kind of a chicken or egg thing. I think it could also be reverse for many people. I'm just trying to explain what I'm. I'm trying to. I don't have the correct words to try to explain what I'm thinking. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. That's all right. I'm. I, I myself. It's a. It's quite. It's quite a big pill to swallow. Yeah, I think I think it's also kind of a, a vicious cycle kind of thing. If you start with an insecure attachment that leads to fantasy, you're going to isolate yourself from others and it's just going to snowball <laughs> make things worse and worse, you know. Um so yeah, like 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 Kayla said at the beginning of that, like a a, ch- a chicken egg kind of thing. But I guess these guys would say that um it's the insecure attachment that comes first, and then it goes from there. I think is what the paper would that they would probably would lean say. towards. Yeah, um, I think they mentioned somewhere in this paper that the attachment style you develop uh, comes from your caregivers. I believe they said it towards the top. <laughs> yeah. I, so I actually looked up. They say something about I, you know, all this this attachment style stuff. Um, it takes place in early childhood. So I looked up what early childhood means to a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's ages birth through eight. So okay. there's it's ages where no memories are forming and also includes ages where you, you do have memories forming. Like I remember stuff from, you know, Head Start and things like that. Yeah. Um, and my son, <laughs> my son is eight right now. And I was like, oh, my God, I hope I was a secure caregiver. <laughs> as long as you did the best you can, right? Because that's all you can do. But the uh, but when you're young, that sort of st- they these sort of attachment styles develop. And then, you know, vicious cycle, they can get worse over time if you use maladaptive daydreaming as your coping mechanism. And then if you the older you get, it will continue to get worse, I believe is what they're saying. And then you end up developing certain linguistic tendencies because they have an additional table. They have a second table where they contrast non-MD and MD groups. And they have a a, a bunch of different lists of things here where they they mention they use, uh, when speaking, maladaptive daydreamers will use the words I quite a bit and uh, for themselves as as a personal pronoun. And then they for... For anybody else, it, it the, uh, what is the exact word they used? Um, yeah, let's get to hold on. Yeah, let's back up because we're kind of at the front of the paper right now. You're jumping to the middle. Well, yeah, I think we I should can. circle back to that. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna okay. So that's some, that's some cool stuff. Yeah, head back to head back to the start, right? Yeah. So three things that they looked at were mm-hmm. attachment. Attachment was the first one, and but the second the second one is reflective functioning uh here it is yeah also referred to as mentalization Mm -hmm. and what 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 did they say that was it's the skill that allows an individual to relate with others and understand their behavior Mm -hmm. so like empathy they listen they list uh hypo mentalizing and then hyper mentalizing and that's attached to attachment <laughs> related to attachment in that if you have a secure care caregiver you'll be better at this and if you don't um it will be impaired mm-hmm. which they say uh 
impairment in reflexive fun reflective functioning uh, is implicated in other mental health problems like psychosis, mood and anxiety disorders and addictive behaviors, which MD might be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mentaliza mentalization in general is the, if I have this correct, it is the psychologically motivating. It's, it's what psychologically motivates you in terms of intention and mental states and then hyper and hypo, of course, being more and less. Uh, mentalizing in general, they mentioned that. But that was the second one. What was the third? Multiple code theory perspective. Mm -hmm. Ooh, fancy words. <laughs> uh, so I guess the idea there, because I've never heard of this before. I have no idea what it is. Mm -hmm. But they say it's um, humans use three basic ways to elaborate information and build up images and representations. They use subsymbolic, nonverbal, and verbal symbolic mm -hmm. and they are all interconnected and when when they get disconnected is when you have a problem with regulating your emotions which previous studies have found mders tend to to have uh, i just had one i wanted to mention on the rf before it was we moved on from it because i just thought it was an interesting thought about um like, like like you mentioned before the the definition mentalization rf is the skill that allows an individual to relate with others and understand their behavior via awareness of mental states like feelings desires wishes and intentions so there's the definition again i think that it's for mders in particular compared to many other disorders many of us have our own internal worlds and if people have them when they're little um many of us practice socialization like at school like on the playground other, with other people our age other people this and that um, I know many of us were kind of stuck in our daydream worlds, and instead of the, getting a lot of the experience from other actual people, a lot of people would get that experience from talking with their daydream characters, with being stuck in a daydream, with experiencing this and that. And I was just interested in the future to, if I hope that they do more studies on this in particular, because I just wonder if, because I know a lot of people say I have issues with other people. I don't understand them, or... They don't understand me, but I understand my daydream characters and I understand this and that. And some people might have certain, um, you know, they feel like isolated from others or they feel different. I just wonder if many MDers, if they daydream early, I wonder if their RF can be skewed because their experiences, which they're using to understand other people with RF um, is, is done with imaginary people, with things that are unrealistic, which creates unrealistic goals from themselves and other people. Like a lot of people just... Or other, I know a lot of MDers just say things like, uh, "They just they 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 don't they don't understand me." I'm trying to tell them these things, but they just don't understand me. But they do in my daydreams. They understand me. I just think that the RF skewed with because of the daydreams. I just think that that's an interesting topic for the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I um. So I was reading that, and I, I I forgot to mention it before, but you just reminded me. <laughs> like like when I was reading, I was like, "No, I'm I actually am really good at that." I feel like. I'm really good at that, at understanding the motivations of other people and um, relating to their behavior and stuff. But then I thought, maybe not, like maybe it's skewed. I think I'm good at it, but I'm actually not. And this actually comes up all the time with like my in-laws, <laughs> you know, because I'll be like, you know, my sister-in-law will do something or say something and I'll, I'll complain about it to my husband and be like, she just, she just said that because of this, because of X, X and X, or she did that because of X, Y, Z. And my husband will be like, um, 
no. Like, she's... <laughs> maybe she just wanted to do that. Like, it's not that deep, bruh. Mm -hmm. A lot of the... Uh, you were saying, Halo, how a lot of... Uh, when you're young, instead of socializing on the playground, you socialize inside your head. And when you do that, you're essentially... Well, talking to yourself isn't quite right. Um, but it's like internal socialization really i wanted to mention though about because they they took two uh two responses one one from yeah two responses from two of their participants one from each uh and they mentioned that they uh, a lot of the maladaptive daydreaming participants used smiley faces now they also mentioned that there were not emoticons or there they were not emojis but they used emoticons instead and some uh like frowny face or sm uh, smiley faces because earlier on they mentioned that there's three let me see where it is there are three different ways you can socialize let me see if i can find out where it is yeah the verbal nonverbal. yeah yes there are i want to get it i want to get the terminology well, correct yeah while you're looking for it i was thinking that um it might be because well they were they found the sample sizes through the snowball method so it's like through word of mouth and they found other people and it's skewed really young so but i was wondering for the control group that they were using for people that didn't daydream like immersively or maladaptively i was wondering if they just got other people i wonder if they that skewed older that was one of the things that I was wondering, that maybe the maladaptive daydreamers were the young ones, but then their control group, are they just as young? It never really specified. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they didn't exactly specify. They do They do um, control for things, for like socioeconomics and gender when they can and, and things like that to, to make sure that those aren't variables that are like really affecting the results mm -hmm. so i don't i don't understand any of the math or anything behind that but i know that they do do it uh, <laughs> but mm -hmm. they did say like like he was just talking about that there there were some limitations because this was like because this was a google form like there's only so much control and um mm -hmm. verifiability is that even a word yeah. <laughs> you know, that they could exercise over the participants. And that's, you know, an issue. Yeah, I, they, uh, I found it. I believe we, uh, we, we mentioned this earlier, but um, they mentioned that there are sub-symbolic, non-verbal symbolic, and then verbal symbolic processes that people use to, uh, to understand communication between other humans. And because and you they're not they're non-transferable. You can't really you can't move one from one to the other really, um, which is why when uh, talking over or well writing is what they ended up doing for this form. They were asked to write uh, in as great detail as possible what they daydream about or what their daydreams are about, which is what what's interesting to me and what they thought was really interesting was that when describing these daydreams, they did use emojis and emoticons uh, because they uh, they thought that they just couldn't... You, you don't have that... You can't like move your face. You can't express emotions using your, your face uh, and your body language when doing so through text unless you use emojis or emoticons. So they found it really interesting that their participants ended up using those when describing their daydreams. Uh, they were wondering if there was a, a particular reason for that or if 
they did that specifically because they were lacking in one uh one or the other because they mentioned that of the three maladaptive daydreamers were highly skewed towards one of them and i'm trying to find which one it was yeah i think uh i think the word you're looking for is um it might suggest that the emotional and integrative needs of the MDers may color their information processing and compel them to enhance the text with nonverbal communication. Yes, that is it. I definitely do. Do you guys? I I definitely use emoticons and stuff and exclamation points and ellipses mm-hmm. um, a lot, especially the ellipses, mm-hmm. <laughs> because I I. I, I need the feeling behind it, I guess, to be understood. But I'm actually also wondering, I, oh my God, I can't cite my source on this, but I remember reading something um, that they did some study in on like uh, corporate America mm-hmm. where they analyzed the emails of, um, uh, you know, high, higher management. Yes. And women would use things like exclamation points, I think they specifically looked at a lot more than their male counterparts. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if because this study is so heavily female, if that might be feeding into it a little bit. Maybe, maybe. But I know that like I'm a, I am a guy and I myself use smiley face emoticons a lot. I don't often use emojis. I'm just used to using emoticons. Uh, but I... And and it's strange. Emojis don't exactly have the feeling that I'm trying to convey most of the time. But I do use emoticons. I use smiley faces. I use uh, se- I use colons and semicolons a lot. Um, just a, a a female thing or like a male thing. It's it's pretty. I believe it's pretty ubiquitous throughout the group. And I think the uh, they might they didn't mention it. Uh, but my my guess my guess, mind you, is that it uh it applied to both. Uh, both genders in or yeah both genders in that maladaptive daydreaming group uh, now we can't know we don't know uh cuz they don't list it but that's what i i think that's why they didn't exactly mention it because uh they might have mentioned it if it was very heavily skewed towards uh the female group rather than both does that make sense yeah mm-hmm. I started using them after being on Discord more. Like, after being on Discord more, I started using more emoticons, more emotes, more... I cared less about punctuation. Honestly, I've been in voice chats in the past so much with Dimmer and other people, I started swearing more in real life. Like, in the past, I never swore because I never found to, and then I was, like, at work, I started swearing, and I was like, oh, shit, I can't do this anymore. It's like, oh, no. (laughs) So... I don't, I was thinking it might be the snowball method personally, that it was just, everybody was like word of mouth on discord and possibly TikTok and other things. And I was thinking maybe did they do this? I don't know how they found the control group. If they found the control group on other places where they didn't use as many of like emoticons and stuff, I was thinking maybe that might be it too. I just don't know. Mm-hmm. You are the environment that you are in. So if you're on the internet a lot, you start to act like a lot of people on the internet. If you're in, like if you're around people who swear a lot, you begin to swear yourself and then vice versa. So that would just, that it would probably be that. And MDers are on the internet a lot. Like I, I guess we would need to see exactly where these MDers came from, but yeah, I mean, MDers don't know other MDers in real life. 
I mean, maybe the lucky few, but like the, you know, all of our, all of our communities, all of our support groups are online. It stands to reason, I think, that the MDers would be a lot more internet savvy than the non-MDers because they might need to seek these spaces out. Mm -hmm. Because they're not, they're, it's not widespread enough in person to be able to just go out and find another maladaptive daydreamer in person. I know I couldn't. I tried. <laughs> me too. So, and I mean, anecdotal evidence, right? I could say me, we, right? But that, like, that's a sample size of one, two, or three. And they did a sample size of 414. But I think it's, somewhere, it's something worth thinking about. That some of these people were far more internet savvy. And especially since the, the group was younger in general. Because it was such a young group. The, the non-MDers were young too, though, I, w I would assume. So that's, mm -hmm. I think that's probably a point that's controlled for. Mm -hmm. So that it's not skewed one way or the other for age. Yeah, that, that makes Maybe. sense. Though, though I, to be fair, I just want to jump in and make one point. If the, I think it also matters on what website or what social media thing people found the, um, the, the call for the participation. For instance, if it's a high school, if it's a high school, certain kind of um, social science class and they say, oh, here are different things that you could be taking. And then if, if they if they find people through certain things in school and it's like, OK, do this. Um, can you just file, file, do some of these things? Then you might take it more seriously. If our maladaptive daydreamers found the thing from like a random TikTok ad or somebody said it on a Reddit on a Discord post, I think that they might be less serious or they might not be as grammatically sound and have more emoticons too this and that so i think that the however they found the people might also skew um like if you want to be proper or not oh i better not put a smiley face but have all the correct grammar this and that or if you get like oh a tiktoker was saying hey do this thing then they're like okay whatever sure then you might have like a bunch of like 10 exclamation points for certain things so I, at least that's just my gut like yeah i wonder where this call for participation went out because i don't know a lot of md italian language communities um there's there's md italia that valeria runs and she um she has a youtube channel but like i can't think of any italian language you know like discord art or anything off the top of my head i myself am not aware of too many discord communities besides the ones uh in the united states but I mean, I suppose the call for participation has long since passed since the pub the publication has already completed. And they did this in like the summer of 2021, I believe. Was it uh, April to June or March to June? Yeah, I might have missed it, but I'm not sure if they said it or not, where they grabbed their participants from. Let's see. They did mention uh, the different words that they ended up using uh, and their language distribution. They had a very large portion of their method describing uh their ling the linguistics because this was not only was this about attachment styles but it's related to linguistic features uh, yeah uh what the thing that stood out to me and when they were like talking about language was the pronoun thing because i i actually i looked this up too um because they actually well let me maybe just read from the paper so that i don't butcher it uh, frequent use of the first person point of view in terms of pronouns and verb tense. Uh, this form of communication is linked to a depressive dimension, so much so that it's actually referred to as 
the language of depression. Like the way maladaptive daydreamers literally use the language of depression when speaking. Apparently. Didn't you you said you looked it up? Yeah, I looked up language of depression because I didn't I didn't understand what that meant. I was like, of course they're writing in first person who wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um apparently it just means we use like I pronouns a lot more than non um MDers or non-depressed people i guess that's what you just said well who, who wouldn't talk in that that's literally what i'm thinking and i'm looking it up right now i'm, just, I'm still trying to understand mm-hmm. yeah like i like it seemed like a oh you know when you mentioned that uh you thought well, earlier dimmer that you thought you understood people really well but then someone would come and say that you're incorrect uh it, yeah I'm I'm trying to think if that's like similar to like how we're thinking about it because I'm not entirely sure. Like I, I I speak very much like I like I say the word I a lot. Like I am doing this. Or like I will be doing that. Um, I'm not entirely sure how else you would speak. That seems like a very foreign thing to me. Yeah. Like it's just like we like um. I, like we're just having like a hard time understanding any other any other way to speak. I guess perhaps since we've been speaking this way for so long, if we speak like this to begin with, would I use the royal we? Like we will go out to the library today, or is it the, like <laughs> I talk to myself another person? Like Halo's going to go such and such. Like I'm just I don't understand. Yeah, when I looked it up, it said it's it said I, I mean it, this was like a two minute Google, so like <laughs> maybe maybe dive into it. Um, mm-hmm at your own leisure but uh yeah it it said something like um we feel detached or people who use this kind of language feel detached from others so we don't tend to include them in the language that we're using Mm -hmm. yeah that might that's just very it's very strange to think of it that way it's like like i mean maybe it would perhaps be the subject of what you're what you're talking about what you're speaking of like it's very strange. They do have a oh. list of words that they the they have listed that they say uh, quite frequently in their uh, distribution on how many times it was said uh, in their responses. Um, and the there's a list right here if you'd like me to to list it out. But Halo, you were going to say something. I, I don't. I was just wondering if it might be part of the question because if you ask the, somebody about their daydreams compared to somebody that's a maladaptive daydreamer compared to somebody that doesn't daydream much and they're a normal person, I mean, if if you ask them, oh, can you tell us about your daydreams? I it just makes sense to me that the daydreamer would use the word "I" a lot because they're so connected to it. If mm-hmm. if that's the if that's the kind of um, maybe we're understanding it wrong. I'm not entirely sure. Well, I'm, I'm definitely not understanding it. So yes, that's definitely. <laughs> I, I actually felt very much that like this wouldn't describe me because my immediate thought as a maladaptive daydreamer reading this was I'm not in my daydreams, so I wouldn't describe them as first person pronouns. It would all be they or them. Yeah, that's a great point. You you don't you're not in your daydreams, so you might not have that, but then other people either are in their daydreams or see themselves as somebody in their daydream. So that might skew it a lot too. That's a really interesting point. Hmm. If you're, yeah, if you're not, if you're not in your daydreams, you would say that I, I daydream about this character doing this, this, and this, right? I guess that's, that's as far as I could like, that's as far as I could, I could understand saying the word, well, I 
when it comes to daydreaming when you're not in your daydreams because i'm not in my daydreams either i am not in i am not in my daydream world my my person is not there and like at all they're all different characters there is no me um but uh, perhaps a lot of those responses we're we're seeing i we do have a list here uh so the really big the ones that were said the most i can list them off for you if you all are ready mm-hmm. uh listed the most is i then after that we other possibility past present future to be to have uh i verbal you verbal he we other and they verbal and then uh all punctuation and symbols was also pretty high um, it's at the bottom of the list, but it, it's higher than anything else. Those were the words that were said the most. There's no uh, she. There's a he. There's no she. That's so strange. Like you would, you would think that there'd be a she if there's a he. Could could some of this also be skewed because it's translated from Italian into English? I just wonder if there's also maybe some oh, kind of grammatical or question. language thing we're missing. Yeah, they're a romance language. They have the um, perhaps like yeah, <laughs> yeah. They they gender everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to see that all punctuation and symbols is on there. Now they did mention that they use smiley faces and emoticons because they didn't have the option for emojis. And if you look at the two uh, excerpts from uh, the two of their participants, there are. A lot of exclamation points and ellipses, um, but it's interesting that it's up there on that it scores really high on this list that it's actually there to begin with because you would think that there wouldn't be enough uh, punctuation and symbols to outdo uh, a fair few other words. Granted, it's at the bottom of this list, but I don't know if this list is ordered in how often uh they were used they i'm not entirely sure if it was they have a list of distributions uh, numbers uh quantitative distributions here so perhaps it's not uh listed uh, in order of most used to least use but there are, you would think that there would be other words uh that you would have on this list that all punctuation and symbols would not be uh for instance you have to be and to have i that i wouldn't expect that to be on the, on this list but um, on the one of the one of the issues I have with these two excerpts, excerpts A and B, um, how did they choose these, right? Because there were four hundred and fourteen responses. How, what what why why did they choose these two? I'm not entirely sure. Uh, they literally just says here are examples of two daydreams from the ND group. Uh, did they take it randomly? Did, is there a particular reason they they chose those? I'm not sure. Yeah, and um, it doesn't explain. Nope. Except to say that they're rich with nonverbal experience, so maybe they were just the best examples they had on hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I swear to God, though, I'm an MDer, and that many exclamation points bothers me. <laughs> like, uh, they have they have ellipses though. They I I, I do use ellipses a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. The top one uses emot is using an emoticon, which I use quite frequently. Uh, so that is pretty representative of how I speak, besides the exclamation points, of course. But everyone types in their own specific way. So for, like, we might not type with the exclamation marks, but other people might. Like, 414 people is a lot. And there's far, far more. Well, they said, uh, how many maladaptive daydreamers were there? 81? 84. 
84. So my, while there might be only 84 uh, in this study, there's quite a few more out there. And many of them, many of you all out there in the audience could be using quite a few exclamation marks that we do not. So each one types their own specific way. That's that's one of the things that I looked at and I saw and I I saw it and I was like, this is I'm not entirely sure why they chose these. I thought I'd point that out at the very least. Yeah, I just want to remind sort of the audience what we're talking about, because I don't think we specifically said before we dove into that what their hypothesis was. So they actually have two. Um, A, MDers will have greater insecure attachment styles hypomentalization, and difficulties in the process of symbolizing emotional experience in narratives. And B, a greater presence of MD symptoms, hypomentalization, and insecure attachment styles will predict the presence of greater psychopathological symptoms. So those were their two hypotheses. And that's what all of this, um, you know, looking at the pronouns, looking at the use of emoticons, um, the use of uh, future tense language, which I don't think we touched on, but is another thing that came up with the MDRs was they used future tense a lot, um, a lot more than the non-MD group. Um, but that's that's what all of this, all of this that we were just looking at was to see if either of these hypotheses stood up. Mm -hmm. And from the way that they're framing it, the answer seems like yes. And it, it can be pretty tempting to just say, that um, with all of the information that they've shown, the answer is yes. But would you could you think of anything that would uh, prove this incorrect or, or that would be worth thinking about where uh, the answer might not be so simple? I think... <laughs> I think that MDers would use this kind of language um, and especially the symbols regardless of their attachment, um, mm. regardless of if it was insecure or secure, because the experience of maladaptive daydreaming is so alien to other people that you would really want to double down on getting across as clearly as possible the experience of it to someone who doesn't understand it, you know? like So I, I think MDers would do it regardless. You'd like to do everything you can, like you, you like if you you'd like to show every card in your hand so that you could get the point across. I think that it's also worth mentioning that they say that many other disorders also use many of these other negative languages, and maladaptive daydreaming is incredibly comorbid with many many other disorders. So hypothetically, it could be also the other disorders that are that are causing the certain negative certain words to be used more linguistically. So it's it's not just MD. It's like a lot of these people also have ADHD, OCD, you know, anxiety disorders, depression. So I think that's also skewing it as well. And it's hard to take that out. It's because it's like as certain researchers said before, it's hard to find MDers that don't that don't have anything else sometimes. So it's mm -hmm. I, that's also skewing the results as well. So that would be for the linguistics. Um, what are your thoughts on the attachment styles? If you have any thoughts on the attachment styles that they list in, secure, fearful, preoccupied, dismi or dismissing. <laughs> I have a stack of papers right next to me. Mm. And I believe, yep, there is a paper on attachment styles, attachment characteristics, and emotion regulation difficulties among maladaptive and normal daydreamers. 
Maybe we can go over this paper in a future episode. It is a lot thicker than the one we are oh, reading no. right now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Then we can do that, and uh, uh, then we can do that in a future episode if we'd like. Uh, for now, they simply listed off that uh, a, a, a majority or a fair few of the maladaptive daydreamers do fall under the fearful, preoccupied, or dismissing attachment type quality. The secure attachment uh, type was more often found in the non-maladaptive daydreamers. Which, I mean, I think makes perfect sense that, or people people who did not have a secure early childhood would develop, what do they call it, psychopathological problems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That that makes sense to me. It makes makes intuitive sense. Uh, One of the things to note is that not oftentimes does, sometimes uh, intuitive sense, uh, like, it might seem intuitive at first glance, but uh, it, it might not actually be correct. But I would agree with you. Intuitively, that does sound correct. Uh, and in this case, uh, with a lot of the uh, with a lot of the information that they've aggregated, that they've pulled together from their study, it does seem to be the case. Now, I cannot entirely verify that, but I would I would be inclined to agree. Under the conclusion, they listed most of what we uh, most of what we've talked about. The they also they talk specifically about several limitations. If we want to explicitly state those again, um, it's unrepresentative in terms of gender. Uh, it's in line with previous studies, although that is still considered unrepresentative in general. Um, their method, their data collection method, was they they lacked quite a bit. Uh, like control, they lacked control, they lacked clinical verification. And there's a, another limitation was a, a lack of information or a, rather an absence of limitation. There's a, there's, they list that off in their conclusion, but um, since this was an exploratory essay, there was, since it was an exploratory study, they didn't go too in-depth. Uh, they only went sort of a little bit farther than surface level. Would you agree? Yeah. And there is, though, there is one thing that stood out to me where I was like, no, keep talking, like, explain that. Explain yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like the very last sentence of the discussion section. It says, uh, MD is the strongest predictor of the global severity index. This finding highlights a strong connection between psychopathological symptoms and imagination strategy, Mm -hmm. which could highlight a certain transversality of extensive fantasy activity as a basic condition of psychological malaise. What what does that sound like to you? Because to me, what it sounds like they're saying is like crazy fantasies, like, or not crazy fantasies, but I think you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. it's a basic condition of any disorder. It's just fantasizing in general or having um, a, a large extensive uh fantasy world or fantasy fantasization in general yeah i wish there was just one more sentence there explaining what they mean by that they also Mm. i would i wish that they they had maladaptive daydreamers and then they had a control group of regular other joe schmoes that they got to take the test like regular people i am i would like to see if in the future if we had more people to have uh immersive daydreamers because there's a large group of people that just they daydream like what we do they have the large 
the large daydream worlds that they spend sometimes a few hours a day or some so much time this and that and then they but they don't really have any of the negative symptoms they might not i was i've just, that would just seem to be a hole that i'm just really interested in if they if they looked into that in the future as well because they're saying that oh these people are all, all messed up in their childhood and it kind of creates this the, the where they feel this need to have this delusional fantasy doesn't that but there's a lot of um, um, there's a lot of immersive daydreamers who don't have a lot of negative things with it as well, and I it's it's just kind of not mentioned as much. Oh my god, that is such a good point. Yeah. So how they sorted people into the MD group and the non MD group was they had them take the maladaptive daydreaming scale, the MDS sixteen, and everybody who scored fifty and up got put in the MD group, and everybody who scored fifty and down got put in the non MD group. But like. 51 i think i'm still trying to find exactly where they listed it because they listed yeah, it, it was it was 50 and under i think and then 51 okay. and up yes. i know I, I said 50 twice <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah that's how they split them but but then where do the immersive daydreamers fall on the mds i wonder like did some of them end up in the md group and some of them end up in the non-md group did all of them end up in the non-md group and that non-md group is just every kind of fantasizer that skews things quite like far in one direction or the other um because one of the one of one of the problems that i'm i'm sort of uh, i i haven't looked at the maladaptive daydreaming scale 16 items quite yet um but scoring it at an exact number for something like this can be it can be difficult at least it can be almost impossible at most when it comes to difficulty here because what does 51 actually mean it's just a it's a metric for determining your maladaptive daydreaming because that like like putting it into a number from 1 to 100 or 0 to 100 and like where do, why do you choose 51 as the cutoff right why not 52 or why not 50 right I, I think our next episode should be sitting down and going through the MDS. Mm -hmm. I think that'd yeah, be that would, cool. That would that'd be, that'd be nice. We can end up doing that. Um, but just having, for now, just without having too much knowledge about it, why 51? Because let's, let's assume, let's assume, right? No validation here, or no verification here. Let's assume that um, immersive daydreamers fell in both categories, right? Some of them fell above 50, some of them uh, fell below 50 uh, why 51 right maybe that one like that 51 changing to a 50 could change the data quite significantly uh who knows right but why why 51 if my if my memory serves and it might not um i remember looking at those questions i think it was of many different forms of do you does your daydreaming cause impairment in your life scale one to ten and um, like one not at all, ten being completely, and then it's then there's different forms on that. It's do you do you, would you rather daydream than be around many other people, or do you daydream instead of hanging out with other people in real life? Do you choose them over real people, like one to ten? I think it's kind of I think it's mostly questions, um, kind of like those um, with that kind of rating system. Mm -hmm. In that case, if those are the if those are the sort of questions on a day where you have. Now, I know a lot of us don't have a lot of energy in general because, well, uh, brain fog and like it's very hazy and you just lack a lot of 
energy in general but on days where you have more energy you'd be you might be more willing to hang out with friends on one day than another so then it depends on the day that you take it that your score might be higher or lower just difficulties you end up running into for a test like this we can go over it in the future just to sort of see how it goes right yeah, I think we should we should sit down with a guest, go over the paper, and then, I don't know, maybe we'll all take the MDS together. <laughs> that does sound pretty fun. That does sound fun. Honestly, my score is dramatically different. A year ago compared to me versus then isn't like night and day because it's like, I don't know, it's because I, I don't, I think I might be on the edge of being more immersive than maladaptive. So I don't, I think I might, I, I don't even know if I would score on the maladaptive as much anymore because I've cut the back on it so much. Exactly. Yeah. It's it, the score is supposed to change. When 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 I was in the treatment program, they gave us the MDS. I I can't even remember how many times, like three times, to make sure that it was going down. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. The uh the score itself. I'm I'm not entirely sure where I would land. I haven't taken it myself, but uh even if I were doing better, I do have relapses, depending on a lot of different stuff in my life. So. I suppose if it is supposed to change, then um, this is merely a snapshot temporarily, and perhaps that's how it's supposed to be. But um, then I would, does that make the data you get from the maladaptive daydreaming scale uh, inaccurate day to day or week to week? Maybe. Um, but like, how accurate would it be over time? I don't, I, I don't know. Just food for thought, food for thought. It specifically tells you to only, uh, for for the last month, they they put a time limit on it, so you, so you answer how much these things affected you in the last month. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of neither here nor there. We got a little off track there with the MDS. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. we yeah. That was just one means they were uh, one means of data collection that they were using. They had quite a few, uh, including their linguistics and a variety of other uh, metrics that they used to aggregate the data to sort of pull it together and come out with a, a number. But yes, is there anything else uh, you all would like to to mention about the study? Anything else interesting that, that stood out to you? I have more questions than answers, and there's still a lot of research that needs to be done. I'm, I would like to know more about the differences between, they, they don't mention the um, immersive daydreamers and about how, like, the interaction between, like, what are the similarities, what are the differences. If if they claim that the daydreaming is this messed up thing because of all of these bad things in childhood, but then there are a lot of people that don't have a lot of the messed up things that are uh, perfectly finalized but still have the daydreaming. Mm-hmm. There's um, there's all kinds of other uh, questions about the how do comorbid um, issues also take into account with this because they say oh all other other disorders also score really high on certain things therefore but then mdrs almost always well i don't want to say almost always but that fast but a lot of us also have other um disorders that go hand in hand and it's hard to control it for just md when everybody also has is carrying baggage from multiple other disorders mm-hmm. there there's just so many other just questions that I hope that will be addressed in the future. And I hope to have more studies like this. Yeah. That, and they always put in, well, um, maybe not always, but most papers will put in a future directions um, uh, paragraph. This one just has a sentence, <laughs> but it, it's possible future directions could include exploring in a more detailed way, the formulation of daydreams in relation to specific diagnoses. Mm-hmm. So hopefully someone will pick up, pick that up and run with it. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, dude, there is one point, I'm sorry, about that we mentioned, I think, before the call, but we didn't get to, and that they, they were also talking about what the people daydream about, and they were mm-hmm. saying, oh, look, it's very negative, but I think the content of the daydreams, in case somebody's listening that has very violent daydreams, this or that, that it doesn't really mean that you're messed up or violent. I think it's also worth noting that I, I'm not so big on the content of the daydreams themselves having to, to like, that would show um, specific things like what they might be claiming. I think that there may be some vague things, but I think that it might be uh, that they might be looking too much into it. Like you could, you could look at what people dream at night and try to find value from that. And like, Oh, if you're dreaming about this a lot, it must mean this. But at the same point, I think it's, I don't think it helps that much. Mm -hmm. It might, but we, we don't know. We don't know. They were, uh, I think if I remember correctly, they were specifically referencing um, a previous paper. It might have been the attachment characteristics paper, uh, because this paper, this paper didn't didn't do that. <laughs> this is relatively new. Uh, if you're interested in reading it for yourself, feel free. Uh, we can link it in the description of the YouTube video. Um, I don't know if you'd want to put it on. I don't know if you can put it on SoundCloud. Or uh, where where do we have this on the? Uh, uh, yeah, I post it to YouTube and we post it to uh, Anchor and Anchor posts it to like Spotify, mm-hmm. Pocket Cast, Google, Apple. Uh, I don't know if they do SoundCloud. I don't think okay. so. Maybe not. That's oftentimes for you for music. Um, but yes, we could link it if you'd like to uh, read it yourself. We can put it in the description. And that should be it for this week, wouldn't you say, Dimmer? Yeah, I think so. Thanks for listening to Parallel Lives. Um, In addition to that paper, we'll post a a few other resources down below and we'll post a link to the uh, to the discord. Uh, If you want to be a guest or be part of the audience, join the discord, add the podcast role to yourself and we'll update you. Yeah, watch us on Spotify, YouTube, like follow like, <laughs> what, what like, are the other things people do uh, subscribe, subscribe. <laughs> yes subscribe <laughs> comment do all those things share us around if you want show your friends <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm missing something forgot to mention the OnlyFans account to also join up on <laughs> subscribe there as well no 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 there's no OnlyFans no OnlyFans <laughs> yes but thank you for coming on Red Halo it was nice having you here Uh, And we'll see you all soon.